You're listening to the award-winning podcast, The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, featuring business leaders to help you navigate a constantly changing marketplace. Want to become known as a trusted authority while building a thriving business you love? The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show will show you how. Here's your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show brought to you by the Influence Alliance. Of course, that's the business building community for coaches and consultants who want to make a much bigger impact in the world with their message whilst also build a profitable and scalable business. And yes, I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guests today says rejection is not about you, it's about them. Failure is just another lesson in life. So joining me on today's show is two guests, Aaron Gaudet and Gita Polopoli. Now, Aaron and Gita are Emmy-nominated filmmakers. They are a husband and wife writing and directing team making Hollywood movies. Now, their new film, Queen Pins, releases on Paramount on the 30th of September, which actually is today here in Australia. So we're in your future, uh, Aaron and Gita. So today they're going to talk about their innovative approach to leadership and how they approached filmmaking during COVID. They're also going to talk about how leadership approached or how this leadership approach saved them both time and money and as well as how their model of leadership is now inspiring others outside of Hollywood to adapt and collaborate in new and unique ways so I'm sure we're going to learn a lot from them so welcome guys to the show thanks for having us yeah thank you I guess if you went back to about two years now uh, and and said that the experience that we would all be experiencing in this world, we would never have it predicted the change. Uh, and I know particularly in the industry that you're in, you guys just really just business just shut down, didn't you? Didn't it for you alongside many other businesses around the world? Yeah, for sure. It was um, not only did they shut down, but when they tried to start back up, the costs were exorbitant in order to bring on COVID teams to be able to work with productions on set. Like we had to create a whole new department called the COVID unit to actually be able to resume production, which costs millions and millions of dollars. And, and we were supposed to yes. start production on our film. We were supposed to open production offices on March 16th of 2020. And that Friday, March 13th, we had finished a week of location scouting and we started reading that Harvard University had shut down and we were like, oh, that doesn't sound good. And we realized we would not be opening production offices that Monday and everything kind of fell apart for six months as we tried to figure out how do we do this during COVID. Wow. And one of the things that I will mention, uh, and I mentioned to you before we went live, and I'm going to explain that for the listeners and the viewers today, because I know that we have a few of you there. I have an equipment that is going on in the background. So it is unfortunately um, limiting my ability to hear. However, you're not here to hear me. So I'm just going to ask some great questions and have Aaron and Gita for you to, to share your expertise. So now faced with the industry um, challenges, not being able to do business the way that you had done. And obviously, you know, here in Australia, we had shutdowns. People were not able to go to work. There was limited amount of people for some of the, the industries that were allowed to work. So where they may have had 100% workforce normally, that went right down to 25%. There was a huge navigation, uh, you know, having to go through that to navigate through this, what they were now calling kind of the new normal, if you will, 
what is such a thing as new normal. Take us back to that time. So obviously things were starting to shut down. You realised that you you would not be able to to continue as you would normally do. What did you do as leaders of, of that business? What were the first steps that you took? Well, the first step we had to understand is, was it safe and was it ethically right for us to start uh, asking cast and crew to come together and start making a movie? Is yeah. it Was it going to be safe and is it the right thing to do or was it it was a worth waiting and putting on hold. And that was six months of deliberation, trying to understand the process to try to create a safe set. What the cost what would the be. What the cost would be to do that at the time. Like we were still figuring out all the testing systems that had to be in place, creating different zones that needed to be organized. In the guilds and unions in Hollywood were doing the same thing and releasing their guidelines of, you know, what each set had to do, the minimum requirements that every set had to do. Yeah, so that, those, that was the first part of it. But then the second part of it was once we realized there was a safe way to do this, in fact, the sets were actually going to be safer than anyone going back home into their own lives and community because it was so diligently testing. And then we also ended up having these bubbled zones so that, you know, the key people where, you know, the actors, the directors, like we it couldn't be shut down if we ended up getting COVID. So we were in like the A plus zone. Then there was an A zone and a B zone and a C zone. Just people in those outer zones couldn't really come near all the people in the A plus zone because that yes. was the people that yeah. if we lost one of them, the movie shut down. Right. And we knew that if it shut down, we wouldn't be able to start back up. So there was a lot of pressure for us to make sure that we didn't shut down. Yes. But also we were realizing, like Gita was saying, that it really wasn't going to be as much about keeping them safe. We, we knew we had the protocols in place to keep them safe on set. But what was worrisome is how do we get their buy-in? How do we lead in a way so that when they go home at night, they're being safe and they're not bringing COVID to the sets? Because that was really, you know, we were testing every day. We were wearing masks and face shields and doing all of these things. But when they go home, what are they doing? So how do we get a large group of people, 150 people yeah. to all buy in and make sacrifices when they go home each night? Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that. I was going to say because your team, when you think of all of the people that are uh, involved in the production of a, of a set, are multiple um, divisions, if you will. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to be able to use the term because I don't know what that is, but multiple people, different divisions. I would imagine that you've got different rules. Like here in, in Australia, there's different unions for different, um, if you think of the building industry, you know, different factions. And so you've got to, as a leader, not only communicate and maintain an open line of communication, but also, as you said um, yourself here, Aaron, inspire and empower them to whatever you decide that needs to be done, that they continue to do that because one person can impact the entire company, can't it? With one person, the whole company shuts down. That's what happened here in Australia. So I would imagine. So what did you do? What, what approach did you take? Yeah, well, so I should just say in 2019, um, I participated in a program called the Presidential Leadership Scholars Program. And former presidents, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, and then the libraries of George H.W. Bush and Lyndon Johnson all came together and they said, let's figure out how to build 
leaders that have the values that we stand for. And so what we did was through that program, I really learned so much about leadership, but in particular servant leadership. And what I learned was that servant leadership is really all about collaboration and respect and communication and listening. And that ended up becoming such a critical part to our process and our and our approach. And it's so much about putting your ego aside in service to mm-hmm. whatever it is that you're, you know, uh, trying to attain. So mm-hmm. in this case, it was getting everyone to put their ego aside on a daily basis and mm-hmm. be in service to the story we were telling. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that was something that, you know, wasn't always going to be simple, you know, we look at Hollywood, there's a lot of film sets that are very ego driven, you know, or directors that lead by ego. So when we come in and we're, we're talking about removing ego, and we're constantly preaching, if we all put our egos aside for this 30 day film shoot, Mm -hmm. and we be in service to the story, we can get to the finish line. It was yeah. a different kind of message than I think a lot of them were used to hearing. Yeah, and part of that process is before we, when we were in prep, um, preparing for production, we wrote a letter to our cast and our crew. Each and every single member got that letter. And we spoke from the heart. We explained, we knew the sacrifices they were gonna have to make, but we hoped that they would come and work with us together to collaborate with us to make something special. Because once we would all come out of this pandemic, we were knew that so many people were suffering and so many people were struggling. And wouldn't this be the most amazing gift to give people is a movie that could get them to laugh and enjoy and be with their friends and family and laugh for about an hour and 40 minutes. But we also really laid out, you know, here's the journey we're all going to go on that we're asking you to go on. Here's why we think it's important to go on this journey. Here's what we promised to bring to the table each day. Here's what we're asking of you to bring to the table each day Mm -hmm. and really wanted it to be something that if they ever questioned what we were doing, they could go back to this letter and read it again and know exactly what we were all there for. Mm -hmm. The other aspect of what we did was with our cast, we have Kristen Bell and Vince Vaughn and Paul Walter Hauser and Joel McHale and Kirby Howell Baptiste, all these amazing talented actors. And we said, work with us to collaborate. And once we set the example of full collaboration, it'll pass down to all the rest of the set. And it was such a powerful experience because knowing that we could all come in and just be creative was was not only helpful to the process, but it also opened up so many other great avenues and ideas and creativity that everybody started feeling like this was a family. And Mm -hmm. then it felt like it was a family they wouldn't want to let the family members down. Yeah. I mean, everything that you're saying, I I think, would have been very much, um, when I'm saying the word adopted, people realised that what was going on was significant and many industries did have to shut down. I mean, we have people here in Australia that have not been able to operate for well over 12 months, if, if not more. And so because you've got the privilege, if you will, of being able to collaborate, come together, yes, it looks very different to what it may have done previously. It sounds as if the, you know, that that whole collaboration, let's remove ego. I mean, no one really wants ego on there because, you know, there's a whole lot of things that you've got to navigate towards that. Did you find 
find that even after that letter and that that continual communication, that people continued to appreciate that, or as leaders, you still needed to to communicate that across the organisation wide. Because sometimes you can share a message and it'll land for a little while, and then things start to go back to what it was. Perhaps did you find that it continued that message? What did you do to maintain that message across the company uh, through that time? I, one thing that we did was every single morning mm-hmm. in our day would usually start before anyone else's. So we would be up at 3 a.m. or 3.30 in the morning. Every single morning we sent a quote to the entire cast and crew. So, you know, Kristen Bell gets the email with this inspirational quote in it. And, you know, a day player actor that might not be showing up until day 25 gets yeah. the same quote and or the gaffer or the yeah, any, or, yeah. And, and it was just sort of like a, a a quote that to us inspired us and hopefully would inspire them that mm-hmm. sort of related to what we were dealing with that day mm-hmm. um so we would do things like that where mm-hmm. it was partly about the quote but it was partly about making sure every single person on the cast and crew knew that they had access to us and could yes. reach out and talk to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we did these yeah. core value exercises with our yeah. department heads and our actors. And these core value exercises are really about identifying the three core values that really represent how you want to live. And if you know you were at your funeral and all these people came to speak about you, if you lived your core values, they would talk about what those core values were in their own way. But if mm-hmm. you know one of your core values was integrity or joy ambition, or ambition, or... like they would talk about that. And that would mean that you lived your core values. And yes. so we did these exercises with, for example, we did it with all of our cast, but you know, and our department heads. And one of the reasons we did that was we knew by doing these core values exercises, it brings you so much closer together. Mm-hmm. You build this trust and this bond within each other, but also you understand like, okay, if someone's core value is family and we were shooting over the Thanksgiving holiday, we knew that it was going to be a very hard sacrifice to ask that person to have to work over the holiday. Yes. So how, how you approach that conversation, what you do within that situation is all very important. But it ended up being a real just... Mm-hmm. You know, you might spend 45 minutes doing this exercise and it feels like you suddenly have known this person for months because you're mm-hmm. talking about the very core of the person and, mm-hmm. you know, what are their foundational beliefs. So it would open up very deep conversation. So it just builds, you know, every movie is a startup company. Mm-hmm. You're it doesn't exist. And then suddenly when the money comes in from the financier, it's a race and you're suddenly bringing 150 or 200 people together in a startup company that's only going to exist for a couple of months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've never thought of it that way, but you're absolutely right. You've got different personalities. There's timeframes and pressures and and so forth. What I love about what you've shared about the core values and as leaders, you were there, you kept an open door policy. If someone needed to talk about something to talk it through, I think any industry moving forward needs to have a plan or a strategy to have that in place because of all of the things 
things that people will need to navigate and go through. I mean, a, a number of people are struggling with the kind of the grief and loss of family members and so forth. Mm -hmm. And I think as leaders, no matter what industry we're in, we need to be uh, aware of that and need to create an environment where individuals can feel that they can share that. And I think you were saying, Aaron, so beautifully that you realise that, hey, we know that uh, this particular key team member has a role to 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 perform, and in your case, perform because that's what exactly what they do, or the the cast around the, the the crew that supports the cast. But if you're not creating an environment in which they can be their best, if that means taking a little bit of time to talk about some things, once that's done, then we can come together. And I think any leader needs to uh, appreciate that. There's a comment that was shared. You talked about servant leadership. And someone said, you know, Jesus Christ is the best example of that. Servant leadership, really, when you say that to me, and, and yeah, I totally agree, Jesus certainly exuded that. He was the, the servant king, as we know, um, is to think about other people's first, isn't it, rather than, than yourself or look at something through their eyes, through their shoes, like walking, you know, someone's in, a mile in someone's shoes. There's an appreciation of that person and where they're at uh, that opens up, you know, more discussions, more uh, empathy, if you will. Is Did you start to see that trying to trickle down throughout the organisation? For sure. For sure. Uh, like, for instance, yeah. um, when we were approaching, you know, we, we were shooting in October, November, December of 2020 in Los Angeles, which was sort of the height of the pandemic here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's pre-vaccine and it's uh, all of these things we were facing, but we were shooting through the election here and through Thanksgiving, like Gita said. So we were asking them to sacrifice a lot when they would go home, basically mm -hmm. quarantine when you go home. And one of our assistant directors stepped up one day and she said, you know, I'm making a pledge right now that, you know, over Thanksgiving, I'm I'm not going to celebrate with my extended family. I'm going to just be very careful and stay home. And I'm doing that because I believe in what we're doing here. And I don't want to be the one that might shut it down or stop it. And, you know, it was a really like powerful moment when she made this sacrifice and sort of publicly made it. Mm -hmm. where everybody sort of took that to heart. And it wasn't one of us saying it. Right. Mm -hmm. It was just a crew member that had really, mm -hmm. like, become very passionate about what we were doing and wanted to see us get to the finish line. And I think it was also important, like, you know, when we have to know when, if we've done our job right, we need to know when we have to be the messenger and when other people need to be the messenger as well. And mm -hmm. in that case, it was really important that it was her speaking up and saying that because... You know, of course, Aaron and I don't want our film to shut down. We worked so hard. We wrote the script. We're now directing this film. We know every single day when you're getting to day 26 and day 27, like you're getting so close to the finish line. And you know, if you shut down, that's it. It all you goes know? away. It goes away. There's no movie to be made. And so, you know, we're we're at home stressing about it, but knowing there's nothing we can do. And we just have to know that, like, Fate will determine whatever happens. And thank God we were able to get through day 30 and to completely succeed. When we finished day 30, that following week, the city of Los Angeles shut down. Wow. Wow. And another one of the obstacles, too, that we were dealing with is on a film set, 
it's so much about trying to build these bonds and like Ida says, make it feel like a family because you're working so hard every day and it's this, a lot of tension and stress, but now you can't come near one another and you can't see each other's faces. And we started realizing that there are people that worked on our film that we were very close to we could probably pass them on the street now. We might not recognize them because we never saw, you know. <laughs> no eyes. Yeah. yeah, it was day, you know, normally on a film set, the directors get pulled away during the lunch because we have all of these meetings. But on day 30, there was no next day to plan for. So we were actually eating with everyone else outdoors. And, you know, Gita looked over and she was like, who's that? And I'm like, that's Yannicka. You, you love Yannicka. And she's like, that's what she looks like. And, you know, we were seeing people's faces for the first time because we were never allowed to be around one another with our masks off. It was having a family and then realizing, Oh, wait a minute. Like, I don't know what my family member looks like. But it was familiar. Where have we met? Yeah. Yeah. Work together, Gita, uh, for the last 30 days. I mean, all of the things that you shared today, I, I think it's just brilliant. And a number of conversations that I've had with people is that, you know, a change to leadership approach or a change to maybe a product or a service that they were offering, uh, what started off as an experiment actually worked so well, it's become now a main revenue stream for the business. And I love how you've said this leadership approach actually saved time and money. Share a little bit more about that. I mean, this would have been an a wonderful uh, result of, of the leadership. So share some of the things that you saw that impacted uh, the business. Well, for example, we talked about how we did the core values with um, all of our actors. So we did the core values exercise with Kristen Bell and Kirby Hell Baptiste. And we talked about their personal core values. But then mm-hmm. we also did that same exercise. And we said, let's do that with your characters. And as they started talking about their characters, what we realized when we were in production is, when we were trying to discuss a scene and whether Kristen's character would do something or not, she would say, she would come up to us and she would say, Oh, you know, I think, I think Connie would do this because one of her core values is achievement. And we started seeing them make choices in their acting based off of what those core values were for their character. Mm -hmm. And it became something that was, saving time because they were able to quickly make a choice in their acting because it's, I think that maybe they knew their character that much deeper or at a foundational level so that it would be like, Oh, well in this situation, I really think she would do this. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It saved time and money because on set we weren't debating it for lengthy periods of time. We, we very quickly knew how to just be very effective in making some creative choices. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to hear you talk about core values because it's something that, you know, in the HR um, area and even job seeking, my my career many years ago was in the career space. And often we would find if someone was working in an organisation or in a role that all of a sudden something changed and they weren't able to put their finger on it. And a job that they loved before is now not as fulfilling and meaningful to them. We identified when we did a little bit of exploration that maybe management or the leadership team had changed. And so the core values of the company had changed slightly, was not so aligned with the individual um, employee. And that was one of the reasons why, you know, some of those core values and whatnot being met. So hearing you say that, is that 
now something that you're going to continue to do moving forward that perhaps you may not have done spent a, you know that time dedicated to identifying what are your core values as an individual what are ours as an organization and hey let's explore the core values of your character so that you can you know with integrity and alignment step into that is that something you're going to continue to do because of the impact you've seen it have for sure 100%. yeah and and i think a lot of the leadership model that we used, we would use all of it again with COVID or without COVID. Mm -hmm. I think what we just yeah. realized as we were doing it is, oh, if if we don't get this right, we're never going to get yeah. the buy-in that we need in this time to really like mm -hmm. succeed. So it became just so much more valuable. All of them are such great yeah. leadership uh, principles that we would use in any production, but it just felt like in this production, if we didn't have them, we never would have been able to pull it off. But also yeah. I think even just navigating Hollywood, it's such a tough, brutal business where you constantly feel rejection. You feel the pressure to, you know, give in when you know, sometimes it's not the right decisions. And I think, thank God, Aaron and I have really focused on what our core values are. So we know when we are faced with tough challenges and obstacles, we know how to respond to them in a much more constructive and, and mature way than we ever did when we were probably in our 20s. <laughs> but, but I also think one thing that, that helps us as a married couple and co-writers, co-directors, is that we are the first example they can look to to see how collaborative we are. How yeah. collaborative are we with each other? So yeah. they see that all of the time, that it's not like one of us is dominating over the other mm -hmm. in creative conversations, in the script writing, in the directing process. Everything is shared equally. Yeah. Um, so they're able to see that first example in the two of us. And then they see it that we're collaborative with all of them in the same way that we're collaborative with each other. And we kind of joke, you know, whenever we work with people, it's really bringing them into our marriage. In this case, it was bringing, you know, 150 people into our marriage. But I think it's good if you were just a solo director, you would have to prove to them, no, trust me, I'm collaborative. But they see it between the two of us all day, every day. So they see that collaboration. Yeah, we are the example that they can look to when we talk about what does collaboration truly mean. Yeah. And it's so important, isn't it, as leaders to not only say something, but to role model it and to actually be it, that your approach and your attitude continues to align with the values and the expectations that you're asking your team, you know, to give back. And one of the things that I, I've learned over the many years, and I'd love your feedback on this too, is that, you know, sometimes we can get a group of people together and their core values are very different. And some of their beliefs may be diff very different too. And I think we've almost gotten to a stage that if someone's belief is different than yours, you take offence to it and you try and prove that your belief is right. But I think if we can get to a stage where we can collaborate and still have a respectful, amicable relationship with another person, even though their beliefs may be very different from ours, we can still collaborate. And having an appreciation of some people's core values and where they develop their beliefs that we don't try and prove them wrong and we're right, 
and it can bring a bit more harmony and stability in the workplace when we understand or have a bit of a deeper understanding of why someone may respond and react in a certain way and not let it become an offence, but rather, well, that's the way that they approach it and that's fine. This is the way I approach it and that's fine and together we can still collaborate.